Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. So Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, says this, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, you know, isn't it interesting how you can have, isn't it interesting how you can have one group of people that uh, that uh, come at you with something and you answer the right way and then they then you turn around and you have that same situation. That's how the enemy works. He comes at you from one angle to see if he can get you to to take the bait to to fall into the trap. And if he doesn't get you that way, then he'll come at you from another angle. You ever experienced that? You know, you respond right in this situation, and then you respond wrong, and that's it. Why? Because the enemy's trying to do whatever he can to, to trip us up. And so um, we know that um, our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. So um, I'm not calling the Pharisees and Sadducees the devil. <laughs> uh, but they were allowing uh, the enemy to work through their life. Jesus recognized that, and so instead of taking... The, taking the, the bait for the trap that he was trying to set for them, uh, he responded according to the Word of God. The Word of God will always give you the right response. The, the revelation of the Holy Spirit will always give you the right response. Now, it may not be the response that you want to give. Amen? But he will give you the right response, and it's the response that ultimately protects us, that frees us. So the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So we talked about that last week, of how we love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and, and observing that as the first and greatest commandment. And then in verse 30, he says, And the second is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Can you just help me out here for just a moment? Would you just turn to the person next to you and would you just tell them, hey, I love you? Some of you are like, oh, what is wrong with this preacher? Listen, if you spent any time around me, uh, if you've been a part of CFA for any amount of time, you hear me tell everybody I love them. And, uh, and, and that, that is from the perspective of us being a part of the family of God. I believe... Um, that the word is clear on that, that the foundation of who God is and of who he's called us to be is love. And I think one of the things that people don't hear often enough is that they are loved. Uh, I love it. One of the guys in our church, I'll tell him, hey, listen, I love you. And his response to me is, well, I'm glad somebody does. <laughs> and uh, and, and I always, it always makes me laugh. But, you know, the truth is, is that I am glad that I have people that love me. And I'm glad, that, uh, I'm glad that God has surrounded us with the family of Christ, with the body of Christ, to love one another. God has called us to love each other. And, uh, and we, we do that as brothers and sisters in the Lord, as a part of the family, as a part of the body of Christ. So you hear me talk a lot about the CFA family. You spend very much time around the CFA family, you're a part of the CFA family. So you're going to hear your pastor tell you he loves you because I do love you, because I pray for you, and I'm believing for God's word, for his plan, and his promises to be fulfilled in your life. And so uh, I want to I want to say that because I, somebody needs to know today that not only does God love you, but God has placed people on this earth who love you as well. And you are loved and you are surrounded by that love. But I want to talk to you this morning about loving uh, your neighbor as yourself. I want to talk to you about the importance 
of, of walking in the love of God that he's called us to. Can we pray over this word today? God, I just ask that this morning, in these next few minutes of time that we have together, Lord, to dive into your word, that you would just speak to us from your heart, that, God, we would hear from you, that, Lord, as we have heard about the importance of loving you, that, God, in loving you, you reform our hearts, that, God, you restore our souls, that you renew our minds, that, Lord, we would in turn take hold of this command that you've given us to love our neighbors, God, as ourself. Lord, to know that because our hearts have been reformed and because our, uh, our souls have been restored and our minds have been renewed, that, God, we can not only love ourselves, but love people the way that you have loved us. And God, I pray that you would just give us uh, your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts today. God, I pray for those whose hearts may be hard, Lord, because of pain and rejection, Lord, because of times where they've opened up their heart to love others, because of times where they've put themselves out there, God, to show love and to extend love to others. I pray that healing would come. Lord, I pray hearts that are hard in this place and that are joining us online today, that, Lord, they would be softened by your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, your love would overwhelm, God, that your love would overtake, that, Lord, we would hear from heaven, that we would experience the refreshing and the outpouring, God, of your love, that we would walk in the love that you have called us to. Lord, I pray that your word and your word alone would be what we hear today, that, Lord, your anointing would flow in this place, and that, God, we would leave having heard from you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I want to talk about loving your neighbor as yourself. And, and hear me today, loving people is not always easy. Amen. Don't look at your spouse. Don't look at your kids. Some of you are shaking your head like, yeah, I got that one person right now. Spirit of slaps coming all over me in the name of... No, rebuke it. It's the devil. Flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. That's what the word says. So what happens in our life when it comes to, when it comes to loving people, the reason that Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself is because the same grace, the same mercy, the same hope that, that you wish that the Lord would extend to you, the same grace and mercy that you wish others would extend to you is the same grace and mercy, the same love that God calls us and challenges us to extend to one another. If we are not loving one another, if we are not loving our neighbor as ourselves, we are not fulfilling who God has called and created us to be. God created us to love. God created us to love. That's what makes you and I different uh, from all of the other creatures on the face of the earth, because the Lord made you and I in his image because he wanted fellowship with us. He wanted relationship with us. God wanted us uh, so that we could love him, so that we could experience the love that he has, the love that makes him who he is. So we talked about last week about loving God, and we talked about how loving God with, uh, with all of our heart reforms our heart. So it reforms the way uh, that we love. It reforms the way that we view ourselves. It reforms the way that we, that we look and respond to the people that are around us. We talked about loving him with all of our soul, how God restores us, how God takes the emptiness, that, how God takes the void that is present, that is evident there, and how he restores, how in that restoring he refreshes and he renews news, that he gives us hope, that he gives us a peace that passes all understanding, that he gives us joy, all of those things that God does in restoring our soul to the place of knowing who he is and becoming sons and daughters of God, becoming a part of the family of God. It's hard to love our neighbor as ourselves if we don't love ourselves. 
And if we're not loving the Lord, then we're not positioning ourselves to have our heart reformed, to have our soul restored, and ultimately to have our mind renewed. God has to renew our minds so that we're no longer conforming to the patterns of this world, as Romans 12, 2 says, but being transformed, being renewed day by day as God has called us to so that we can walk in the love that he has purposed and that he's established for us. So when it comes to, when it comes to loving people, it's not always about um, whether or not we think they deserve it. <laughs> you ever had those days where you're like, I just don't think they deserve it. You know, I was going to be nice today, but you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and nope, you know, I was going to buy you ice cream, but I decided I'm not, because you're just being mean today, you know. Um, that, is, that is operating out of our flesh, and not out of the spirit man that God's given us, uh, because all of us have bad days. You ever had a day that you woke up, and you were just, you were just mad, you just irritable, you didn't know why you were mad, and you are irritable, you know. If you're married, your spouse looks at you and goes, what's wrong with you? What's bothering you? What's going on? And you're like, and, and you think about it for a minute and you stop and you go, I don't know. You know, it's like you just got up on the wrong side of the bed. Any of you ever tried to go back, get, get in bed and get up again and see if it does something? <laughs> it doesn't work. I've tried it. But, you know, you have, everybody has days uh, where because you're tired, because there's things that you're battling, things that you're facing, things that you're going through in your life, that you may respond or that you may act or that you may do differently than what is normally how you would react or how you would respond. And, and hear me, when you're having those days, I challenge you to go to the Holy Spirit and ask the Lord why. Um, because oftentimes there's underlying things that are not immediately present or evident to us that if we'll pause and we'll just take a few moments with the Lord, that the Holy Spirit may expose some things. And it may be a burden that's in our heart. It may be something that we're dealing with or something that we're going through that we need to give to the Lord, that we need to, sur to surrender to Him so that that peace and that balance of hope and the joy of the Lord is restored in our lives. But all of us have those moments. So we have to understand and we have to realize not only that, but also no one's perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I've been saying this a lot and I've been having you say it to each other a lot because it's really important for us to remember that nobody is perfect. I am not perfect. You are not perfect. Your parents are not perfect. Your children are not perfect. No one is perfect. There's one. His name is Jesus. He came over 2,000 years ago, paid the price for sin conquered death, hell, and the grave, and now we have salvation available to all who will believe, to all who will receive. He's the only one. So nobody's perfect. So realizing that none of us are perfect, that no one is perfect, all opens the door for us to realize not only are the people that I encounter every day not perfect, but I'm not perfect. And so when I have that perspective and when I have that realization... It changes everything. Listen to this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he sent his one and only son. God loved you and I so much that he sent the thing that meant the most to him to come to pay the price for our sins. Because he knew we could never do it. So that's the love that God has. God didn't extend that love to us if he felt like we would extend that love back. That love is still available today for every person who will say yes to the salvation and the hope of heaven. So, so Jesus, in answering this question, you know, there's all these commands in the Old Testament. There's all that we know the Ten Commandments, you know, in the Old Testament that God gave to Moses. But then if you keep reading, God gives them a lot of other commandments for them to follow, a lot of other instructions. And it becomes impossible for us to fulfill all of that. So Jesus came and fulfilled it. So it's in Him 
that we have salvation in Him, that we become a part of the family of God, that we become a part of the body of Christ. So what happens in our life as a believer when we step into that relationship and that fellowship that we have with the Lord, Jesus is saying all of the commandments, all of the laws that God has given are summed up in these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So what, what all of this comes to this week and last week is what we talked about two weeks ago, which is obedience. And so it's obeying what God has given us, obeying the instructions that God has given us, that God has positioned in our life. Because when we begin showing the love of God, it begins shifting the dynamic, it begins shifting the atmosphere, it begins changing the way that people see and respond to the body of Christ, the, be, the way that people begin responding to the Word of God, that people begin seeing. It's why, as the church and as believers, when people see us, there should be a noticeable difference in our lives. Because the love that God has given us and the love that God has called us to walk in shifts the way that we respond to the rest of the world. Because we have received the love of God and therefore have been called and have been positioned to extend and to show that love to those around us. So God has surrounded us with people. There's people everywhere. Right? Everywhere you go, there's people. Even in the middle of nowhere, there's people. You find people everywhere. So Jesus has called us to love, ultimately, our neighbors as ourselves. I, wanna, I just want to take you to, to, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 this morning. Because I want to I show you just how much love means to the Lord and the kind of love that God has called us to walk in as believers. So it says this in, in verse number 1. It says, if I, speak in, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and I have the faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It, is, it, do, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's a hard one. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I love this. He goes on to say, But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The biggest thing that God calls you and I to is love. God calls us to His love, and He calls us to extend His love. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 12 says, No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. So what happens when we love, when we begin operating in the love that God has called us to, 
is that it opens the door for us to experience three different things. And I want to share those with you, but before I do that, I want to share with you there are three, there are three parts to loving your neighbors yourself. There are three different groups of people. I'm going to separate them into groups this morning, all right? So there are three, there are three different groups of people that, that, you, that you and I uh, associate with, that we come into contact with in our lives, all right? So number one, number one, uh, these are the three, the, the three ways that we love people, the three groups of people, the neighbors that God has called us to love. Number one is this. We love people who are saved. We love people who are saved. Um, if you are a believer today, God has called you, God has called me uh, to love one another. First John chapter 4, verse number 11 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God has called us to love one another. I love this. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, and, and so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. God has called you and I to love one another. When we extend that love to one another, it shows others that we are followers of, of Jesus, that we are disciples of Jesus, that we are walking in fellowship with one another. God calls us to bear one another's burdens in prayer. God calls us to serve one another in love. God has positioned you and I as a part of the body of Christ so that we can love one another, so that we know that while still in this world, until God calls us home or until the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes back, which could be any day, Amen. How many of you are ready? Amen. If not, I can pray with you after service and we'll get you there. So Jesus, Jesus, has called, <laughs> Jesus has called us, and so he's called us and he's positioned us to love one another. So God has called, if you're saved, if I'm saved, God has called us to love each other. One of the biggest things that the enemy uses in the body of Christ um, to, to break that love that we have for one another is offense. And that's one of the reasons why the Lord really put it on my heart for us to walk through this on Wednesday nights as a church and to go through this. And so I'd love for you to come and to be there and to join us for this because um, it's impossible uh, that no offenses should come. Jesus says that in Luke 17.1. But the reality is in our lives is that as we work together and as we serve the Lord together, there are going to be moments, there are going to be times uh, where we're going to have the opportunity to become offended at each other. The enemy wants to divide the body of Christ because if he can spread division in the body of Christ and wreak uh, all the havoc and the chaos that he can, then it ruins the witness that Jesus has called us to be to the world. Okay? So, he's, so, so the, enemy, the enemy wants to do everything that he can to show the world that the church is just like the world. Okay, that there is that there is no difference between us, and so what happens when the enemy brings those offenses into our life is that he's trying to bring div division, uh, because we know the word says a divided house against itself cannot stand. So what happens when we're not in unity as the body of Christ, and we're not walking in the love that God has called us to? We render ourselves powerless, because where there is not love, the light of heaven is removed. And if you if you want to know where that where you can find that. Go to Revelation, and when Jesus is talking to the church of Laodicea and, and the following churches that are around, one of the biggest things that he points out to, to one is that they have forgotten their first love. So you can be doing everything right in the eyes and the standards of the world, but if love is not evident and it is not present, God will remove his spirit from you because God is love. 
I want this place, I want this church to be full of the love of God. I want us to walk in and operate the love of God. One of the things that I hear most from people when they come in is that they, that they have sensed the presence of God, that they felt the presence of God when they were in this place. That is my prayer. We, we, may, not, we may not have every, uh, everything down to, uh, down to a perfect science. We may not have all of the fanciest or the latest of all of the things. But in my mind, if you've got Jesus in the presence of God, the rest will come as the Lord enables and makes a way and provides for it to be. It's not all of that stuff that changes us. It's Him. So if His presence and His glory is here, then that's what makes all the difference. So when you and I are loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're creating unity in the body. Uh, Paul says it this way, that there is one body and many parts. So for all of us that are in this room, you have gifts, you have talents, you have abilities, you have things that God has called you to do, just like he's called me. And what happens when we come together and we all take those gifts, those talents, and those abilities that God has given us and we begin using them and we begin showing those and extending those and, and, and uniting together and rallying around each other, we position ourselves to function and to move in our community and to move in this state, in this nation, in the world in the way that God has called us to. So when we love one another, we, we break the enemy's power and his ability to render us powerless as the church, and we open ourselves up for the outpouring of the love of God, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So when offenses come, how do you handle those? If a brother offends you, if a sister in Christ offends you, how do you handle You go to them. You go to them and have, and have a conversation with them in love. Not in anger, not in frustration, but in love. And understanding that all of us at one time or another, have offended intentionally or unintentionally. And when we respond according to the love of God, we open ourselves up and we position ourselves for the freedom, for the healing, for the restoration that God has called us to so that we grow in love in Christ and in the love that we have for each other. So we have to love, we have to love uh, those that are saved. And loving our neighbors ourselves, it's loving those who are saved. I'm thankful uh, for the people who love me in spite of uh, my faults, in spite of my failures, in spite of the, uh, the moments and the opportunities uh, where, I, where I mess up, where I don't get it right. I love the people um, who, who love me enough uh, to come alongside me and to, to partner, me, partner with me, uh, but not just in the sense of, uh, of always telling me what I want to hear. You know, the, world, <laughs> the world's version of love is, I'll love you if you love me. I will love you if you love me. I will love you if I feel like you've shown love to me. I will love you if, if you extend that same kind of love or that same measure of love. That is not the love that Jesus has called us to. God loves us whether we love him back or not. And so that's the love that God has, that's the love that God has called us to. The world's version of love is conditional. It's based on, it's based on the condition of whether or not you have met the expectations that I feel that you should meet before I open my heart to you. And one of the biggest reasons for that is because of fear. We have a fear of being hurt. If I open my heart up to you and I share with you, you know, my life and I share with you parts of my life, part of, parts of my story, parts of my experience, I'm afraid that, that you're going that, that to take advantage of that. And the reality is, is that the enemy wants to always use fear Again, to immobilize the church and as the body of Christ. But when we love one another unconditionally, we position ourselves to experience that love that God has for us because we realize that God's love for us was unconditional. 
and that God gives us that opportunity, that God gives us the moments to, to respond accordingly. Now, hear me. That does, not mean, <laughs> that does not mean that you do not establish healthy boundaries, especially if someone does not respond biblically according to the word of God and love, especially as believers. And the word was very clear about handling those situations and handling those circumstances. There's a process, uh, there's a system in the word of God that's in place for that. And so we love those, we love people who are saved. Okay, so the, the second part of loving our, our neighbors, ourselves, is loving, we love people who are unsaved. Um, I love, I love spending time with someone who doesn't know Jesus. Um, I love the perspective that they can offer, the perspective that they share. Uh, I, love, I love having the opportunity uh, to have conversations with um, an unbeliever because of the, the way that the Holy Spirit works in those moments. God is, God is so incredible, and His Holy Spirit is so amazing because the love that the Lord has. It's amazing how you watch in Jesus' life and in His ministry, even in the New Testament, where He regularly associated Himself with the unsaved, with sinners. Um, and that was, that's all of us. Tell your neighbor, I, I, I'm a sinner. Hopefully, you've been saved by grace. If not, I want to get you saved before you leave today because uh, I want you part of the family of God. But if you, if, if you were born, you were born in a sin. You're a sinner. Um, it's where the imperfection comes in. None of us are perfect. We all have our flaws. We all have the things that God is working out in us, that God is transforming, and that God is renewing in our lives. But God has called us to love those who are lost. It's why he came. It's the, it's the whole purpose of why he sent Jesus and why you and I are part of the family of God today. The covenant that started in the Old Testament with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob started, uh, started with his chosen people. He sent Jesus to redeem the whole world. And so for every person that says yes to the love of God, that believes in Jesus, that calls on his name, that repents and that turns their life towards the Lord, they experience that adoption as as Romans chapter 8 says, in a sonship, and where we become a part of the family of God. So God has called us to love those who aren't, who aren't believers. And here's the, thing that, here's the thing that becomes the challenge. As a believer, it becomes challenging to, to understand the mandate that God has given us to love our neighbor as ourself, especially when that neighbor is unsaved. So when you love someone who's unsaved... Um, you cannot have the same expectations of them that you have of those who are saved. Okay, If you as a believer are operating in sin and as your brother and sister in Christ, you and I have a relationship and the Holy Spirit has, has put that burden on me, I'm going to come and have a conversation with you about the, what the Word of God says biblically and say, hey, listen, the Holy Spirit has prompted me to this and I want to share this with you. The problem that we have in the church and the body of Christ sometimes is that we want to treat unbelievers the same as believers. And there's a difference. Shout with me. <laughs> okay? Because what happens is, if we, put the, if we put expectations on someone who is not saved, on someone who does not know Jesus, that they should know what the Word of God is, that they should know what sin is, then what happens in, in their life is that there is a guard, there is a block that is immediately put up because they think that you and I have gone crazy. Okay, 
Because to the rest of the world, what is acceptable isn't acceptable, isn't acceptable in the Word of God. So while the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes to see things that are sin, to see things that are not in alignment with, with, with what the Word of God is, we cannot have the same expectation until that person has had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So you watch how Jesus handled himself and how he conducted himself with people who were not saved. Jesus always approached them with love. Do you ever notice that it was the ones that should have known the word of God that were, that were supposedly saved in that day, what we could best equate? Those were the ones that Jesus was the sharpest with. Do you ever see some of the things that he said? I thought, man, if you say that to somebody in church today, they're going to find a new one. Uh-huh. They're going to find a new one. Why? I didn't like what Jesus said at that church last week, so I'm finding another one. Treat me with a little bit more respect, you know. Why, why was Jesus telling them? Because they had the Word of God in front of them. They had not just the Word of God that they all knew and could stand up and quote to you hours on end, but they had the living Word of God, as John 1, 1 says in front of them, and they could not recognize Him. And so what, what Jesus was, was strongest with was those who were saved. It was the unbelievers that you, that you watched, how he extended his love and how he extended his grace to show them what God intended and what God purposed for them all along. So as believers and as the church, the way that we loved unsaved people is the same way that Jesus has, that Jesus has shown his love to us. We extend that love, we show that love and, and, and the understanding and the knowledge of knowing that they don't yet have the realization, their eyes have not yet been opened to who God is and what God has intended and what God has purposed for their lives. So we walk in a love, we walk in an unconditional love and an unconditional grace, not condemning them, not judging them, but extending the love to them and being the light that Jesus has called us to be, the open door for the Holy Spirit to minister to their heart. Because what happens is they watch how we interact and how we respond and how we handle situations at work and in the community and in our nation. And as a result of that, they see the difference that's there. Why, why are you not upset? Why are you not angry? Why are you not, uh, you know, why are you not having a mad, you know, two-year-old fit like the rest of the world? You know, what, why are you responding to these situations completely differently than everyone else? It's because of the love of the Lord. And it's because my perspective is different because I realize the, impact, the impacts and the effects of we cannot force the convictions that God has placed on us and the convictions that God has revealed to us in His Word. We cannot force those on others. Okay? So what we do is we walk in the love that Jesus has called us to and we position ourselves to experience the blessings of that same love that God gave to us as we give to others. This is uh, what it says in, in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, those who have not yet stepped inside to the love of God. It says, Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The Holy Spirit, through His wisdom and through His discernment, gives us a way to be able to love those who don't yet know Jesus and to watch how we react and how we respond to situations and circumstances completely different. I I worked uh, for an automotive glass repair and replacement uh, company for about three years, and I had the opportunity to work alongside some guys that weren't, uh, that weren't in church, that weren't saved. And I loved that time and that moment. And one of, the, one of the greatest, I think one of the greatest compliments that I ever received as a believer was from someone who said, you know, you're different than what I have seen 
other people act and how other people have responded, not just in the world, but even in the church. There's, you're, there's something different about you. And hear me, it's not about putting on a front to convince people who are unsaved that you're perfect. I, I, I was honest. <laughs> I was honest when I was frustrated, you know. Uh, when I worked at the when I worked at the automotive glass repair and replacement, my mom was my boss. Um, she was the office manager, and uh, she's watching this morning. And so, um, but you know, she was. Uh, my mom is. Uh, she's a go getter. She'll. She'll. She's convinced that we can. We can do it all. You know. And uh, I worked on mobile glass repair and replacement, and more than. More than, you know, five or six windshields or back glasses that you would have to replace in a vehicle was enough. You know, we were driving all over northeast Arkansas, and man, the days I would come in and she had eight or nine jobs on the board, I was like, I won't be home until seven or eight o'clock tonight. And she said, you can do it. You can do it. You're fine. You've got this. You're fast. You got it down. You know, and she was, that's how, and man, we would get out there and we'd get on a job and we'd run into a situation or we'd run into something and you get frustrated and you know, the deal is, is you can handle your frustrations in a way that still shows love, honor, and respect. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, because it wasn't just my boss that I was having to love and honor. It was my mother. And that one's highlighted in the top ten of the commandments in the Old Testament. <laughs> and so, um, and, and, and you know, a lot of times she was, most of the time, Every time she was right, it never was as late as I thought it was going to be. So, um, mom's mom's usually always right. So, but you know, we learn in those moments, and we have an opportunity in those situations to respond in a way that shows something totally different to the rest of the world. It's what the conversation that we use, that seasoned with salt, making the most of every opportunity, realizing that even those moments are an opportunity to witness for the gospel. And third, we love people um, who are our enemies. We love people who are our enemies. Um, this one's hard. This one's tough. Uh, we, uh, I love this in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 42. It says, uh, but, to those, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. <laughs> Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. Someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So, when we respond with the love that Jesus has called us to for our enemies, so when we love our neighbors ourselves, it's not, just, it's, just, it's not just those who are saved, it's those who are unsaved, and it's even those who are outright enemies. And if you've been alive for any amount of time, you've known what it's like to have an enemy. Um, whether it's from a situation or a circumstance that was even beyond your control, whether it was something that happened, you know the battle, the fight that's there, and the natural reaction of the flesh. Listen, somebody slaps you on the cheek, what's your natural reaction? 
spirit of slaps coming all over you, and you're going to slap them back, you know. It's, <laughs> I don't know who you think you are, and, you know, and so there, there's this, nat- we have this natural reaction, we have this natural spirit of slap. Some of y'all are looking at me like I've lost my mind. That's what I used to tell my youth students when they wouldn't listen, you know, ten times, and their parents weren't there to discipline them. I'd tell them the spirit of slap's coming all over me. Y'all going to have to hold on, i got to pray through. Um, I never acted on that. That was the flesh. I crucified it like Paul talked about in the New Testament and operated according to the Spirit. But um, there were those moments. If you've been a youth pastor, you've led kids, you understand what I'm talking about. You can testify. So um, you're responsible for these people's babies. You know, you got to get them home and they got to be in one piece. And when they won't listen, those were moments where I was like, I know how Jesus has felt. I know how the Lord has felt when he said, listen to me and follow my instructions. And we go the opposite direction. He's going, this way, this way, this way, this way, come over here. You know, and then we're like, Lord, help me. (laughs) He's like, I tried a hundred times and you didn't listen. So what happens in our what happens in our lives as as believers is that we have these moments where we're presented with with our enemies and those that that are despitefully using us that are that are scheming and that are doing all of these things, and God's response is love them. Love them. Show love to them. Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, crucified by the very ones who hated him the most, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was the perfect example of how to love our enemies. Here he was being crucified and killed for having done absolutely nothing wrong, and his response was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the reason that Jesus calls us to do the same is because there are moments and times, even in our own lives, even after being saved, that we do things that we don't even realize we've done. I want the same mercy that God has given me. And I want to extend that same mercy. And I want to walk in that love. And I want to not assume things about people based upon my perception. You know, it's like, it's like what the Lord said to the prophet Samuel when he went to anoint David as the next king of Israel. He said, man, look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. I look at the heart of, of the person, of the individual. We don't know everyone's story based upon what we've seen or heard. Amen? We don't know the whole story. God has the whole story. He has the final say. He has the last word. In every single one of those situations, in every single one of those moments. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43-48. through 48. He said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? The reason that he mentions tax collectors a lot in the Gospels is because they were the most hated of all the people. Still some truth in that today. <clears throat> he says... <laughs> He says, if those, but not us, amen, we're loving. If we love those who love you, what reward will you get? He says, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So three things happen when we, when we love people. Awesome when you come. Uh, three things happen. Number one, the love of God is made complete in us. When we love others, the love of God is made complete in us. Um, I cannot experience the completion of the love of God in my life until I love my neighbor as myself. Because it's only in that moment that I really fully understand how much God really loved me. 1 John 4.12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Secondly, 
we fulfill the great commission. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. And thirdly, loving our neighbor as ourselves positions us to receive our great reward. Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 through 13, and behold, I am coming quickly, this is Jesus, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Matthew chapter 16, verses 26 to 27 says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of the Father and his angels, and then he will reward each according to his work. You say, Connor, this great, great reward, it comes from Luke chapter 6 that I wrote, read a moment ago from verse number 35. It says, but love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. Jesus puts it this way. He says, don't store it for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and, ru where, where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. What happens in our lives when we follow the Lord in obedience to what he said, when we love the Lord, when we love our neighbor as ourselves, when we walk in obedience to what God has said, we position ourselves to receive a reward that comes on the other side of eternity. I, I want to preach this message. I don't know if it'll be next week, but you know, there's a difference and there's a difference in the salvation that God has made available to us and receiving the inheritance of eternal life and then the rewards that God has for us for walking in obedience to what his word says, okay? And, and I want to get into the word with you on that and, and, and dig into that a little bit deeper. But the thing is, is when we respond in obedience to what God has said, there's blessings that God has for us, not just on this side of, of heaven, but on the other side. Uh, because of our willingness to follow, follow the Lord, to be obedient, to love Him with all of our heart, and with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, we position ourselves to reap the rewards that God has for us, the benefits that God has for us. great illustration of that is the parable of the talents that Jesus gives, and those that took their talents that were given to them, and they used those talents, and then the one who buried his talent. And while he protected everything, that, that God had given him and he, or that his master had entrusted to him, his master was furious with him. Why? Because he buried the very talent, the treasure that God had given him. Instead of using that, instead of going out and taking that to share with the world, the same is true with the love that God has given us. If we never, if we never love our neighbor as ourselves and walk in the love that God has given us, it's the same as burying the talent that that servant did that was never entrusted to him. So when we walk in the love that God has given us, we position ourselves to receive and to reap the reward and the benefits. You see what happens when the master comes back. The master blesses those that took what, God had, what his master had entrusted to him and had blessed him with that. The same is true for us as the church and as believers. We reap the reward, the great reward that God has for us in, in being obedient and walking in the fulfillment of his commands, of his word and his promises. Loving our neighbor as ourselves 
fulfills many of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and so Jesus says, these are the greatest. Walk in these and experience the blessings that God has intended and that God has purposed for your life. Would you